You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. This is Destination Health. My co-host is Kim Cockerham, and this is the show where we take your calls and answer your questions about everything health. We can talk about fitness, nutrition, training, diet, foods, medicine, disease, you name it. We'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and ask the question. We've been lied to for decades, and it's killing us. And it's time to take control of our own health. And Kim and I will help you do that. All you have to do is call. We're going to get to those calls in just a couple minutes. Kim, welcome back. Hi, Kevin. Glad to be here with you, with all the listeners out here. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, lots of stuff to talk about today. Before I get to my notes, right before the show, when I was just doing some last-minute reading and some things, I came across an interesting statistic they just released it's kind of scary though uh for the first time ever or for the yeah maybe ever um life expectancy of americans has just gone down Mm. yeah or that's that's a matter of time Hmm. yeah for a hundred years it's been going up but i've said that that's not the whole story anyway i was just talking with somebody about this the other day that yeah, we have people living longer on average, but their quality of life is nowhere mm-hmm. near as good. So yeah. they're spending the last 30 years of their life. That's a long time. They're spending that last 30 years fighting diseases. Mm-hmm. You know, we mm-hmm. people now in their 30s and 40s getting major lifestyle diseases, diabetes, metabolic syndrome, heart disease high blood pressure, arthritis, all kinds of autoimmune diseases, and then they spend the rest of their life fighting with those, and they're on multiple medications. So the the fact that our lifespan was going up wasn't all that great anyway, and some of the numbers aren't even that accurate. We've made a, a lot of improvement in uh, infant mortality, which brings the numbers way up. We're able to keep people alive longer, even though they're not healthy. And we spend an incredible amount of money keeping somebody alive in that last year. I'm not even sure I agree with that. But Mm -hmm. even with all of that happening that was driving the life expectancy up, and that is still all happening, the number's going down. That's scary. So now we know things are not good on the medical and health front. But the good news is this is actually pretty simple to fix. I say simple because it's not easy, but it's simple. We mm-hmm. we know exactly what will fix this. It's a matter of whether or not people are willing to do it. But I, I thought that number was kind of scary. So one of the things I want to talk about today, and then we'll get to some calls, um, in some ways, I just want to go back over 
what we've been doing and talking about for the last two years and, and why this really is a simple fix. And then I want to specifically get into insulin resistance, but let's talk about the fix. You know, for all these diseases, all of these problems we see, obesity, type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, arthritis, all of the autoimmune conditions, the fix is simple. It's just real food. And, and we're seeing more and more evidence of this all the time. More and more doctors are getting on board. We're really starting to see a shift. Now, it's still a very small part of the population that is getting this information and, and realizing how well it works. But, you know, you and I are right in the middle of that. The whole team here at Let's Truck, we keep seeing these success stories, and it's amazing to watch. It really is. It really is. And we're, we're so honored to be a part of it. Truly. It's, it's comes back to us tenfold. Yeah. And it, it just, you know, if we can sum it up in one thing, it's just real food. You know, we, mm -hmm. we can certainly dig down deeper and we can help people with a lot more specific issues, but anybody listening, if you just start moving more towards whole real food, things get better. Now, the one category I'm going to mention, because people might get confused about this one, I do not consider grains real food. So people might say, oh, bread, it's all natural, or, you know, pasta, it's just wheat and water. It's, you know, that's real food. It's not. Wheat, grains, those are not real human food. They were never meant to be. So when I say whole real food, I don't include grains in that. But other than that, if you can eliminate the grains and eat whole real food, it's amazing how much that can change things. So on to insulin resistance. Um, I've been doing a ton of reading uh, by Jason Fung. And, yeah. and I know, you know you're familiar with his stuff. He's written the books with uh, Jimmy. And he has a whole new take on diabetes. And it's interesting because it's just, it, he turns the whole idea of how we think about it upside down. And it, it even took me a while to get my head around this. So we know that what happens in, in diabetes is that when you're eating a high carb diet, year after year, decade after decade, every time you get that shot of sugar or starch in your diet, when you eat it, your body has to release insulin insulin moves the sugar into the cell, it moves it out of the blood. So you might see a blood sugar spike, then the body releases insulin, the sugar moves into the cells and your blood sugar goes down. And, but if you keep doing that over and over and over, year after year, day after day, your body finally just says enough. I mean, we, there's, it, it, we refer to it as insulin resistance. Your, the, your body is still producing and releasing insulin, but the cell is saying, this isn't working anymore. We're not going to let any more sugar in. And, and we, the way we've looked at it, it is always that the insulin is becoming less effective. But what he's saying is it's not blood sugar that's the problem. It's the insulin itself that's the problem. Now, the insulin is happening because you keep consuming the sugar, but he focuses more on the insulin. And the reason that starts to make so much sense 
is when you look at what the medical community says. The medical community, as crazy as this sounds, once you understand it, they just say, look, eat whatever you want. You know, in fact, they're telling diabetics to eat the wrong things, eat low fat, which means they're going to end up eating high sugar. Um, but they say, well, just eat whatever you want. We'll, we'll cover it with medication, whether it's insulin or metformin or Invokana, some of the new drugs. The problem with that is that would be like taking a heroin addict and saying, oh, don't worry, we'll just keep giving you more heroin. If this dose isn't effective anymore, we'll give you more. And when that dose becomes ineffective, we'll give you even more. Nobody would ever do that. That's insane. But that's what we do at diabetics. We say, look, your body's not responding to this insulin anymore. Let's just keep giving you more. And it's the insulin that's causing all the problems. It's what's causing the heart disease and all of the other issues we see that go along with diabetes. And on top of that, at some point, it becomes completely ineffective. And then blood sugar levels do stay high in, in diabetics. And then we see all the, um, the neuropathy, the eye problems, the, and, and those are actually directly caused by the high sugar. So now you take a typical diabetic and the way we treat them, we keep giving them more and more insulin, which causes more and more problems. And then eventually the insulin doesn't work very well at all. And now the blood sugar itself starts causing problems. Um, it's just, it's really interesting how he focuses on the insulin being the problem when the medical community is focusing on the sugar being the problem and insulin as the answer. And it's kind of scary because and I think we might even have some people, you know, that might even be listening that are on insulin and are and have been for so long that are they may be starting to see this. I mean, I saw this um, in our own family where, um, you know, they could almost gauge depending on what they ate, they would almost, they could guess what their sugar levels were going to be and guess exactly how much insulin they were going to have to take to combat it. And um, slowly you saw that just getting worse. And they did end up with, um, you know, losing part of their feet and um, eyesight and stuff. And, and it, it's terrible. And it's one of those, it, it, it's infuriating, actually, when you think of it, because what we should be doing is exactly the opposite. You're right. It is infuriating. That's a, a great way of putting it. It makes me insane when I look at this. And yet the American Diabetic Association... The American Medical Association, they are still doing the same stuff that doesn't work and it makes the problem worse. And all we have to do is look. Everybody who has diabetes gets worse over time. Their health deteriorates over time. We need to stop that. So we're going to talk about that when we come back. Stick around. We'll be right back with Kevin Rock.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. My co-host is Kim Cockerham. We're talking about type 2 diabetes. Major, major problem. Um, Kim, you and I are doing a lot of one-on-ones now. We're doing a lot of evaluations. Um, can you remember anybody yet that hasn't had some sort of sugar handling issue? Nope. It's been across the board. Real across the Yeah. It is, it is really rampant, even in people who don't think that that's one of their issues. So one of the interesting things for us, we gather so much information on these one-on-ones. We ask a lot of questions. We ask, you know, ask what people are experiencing, what they think their problems are, what their concerns are. And even in people who don't think they have blood sugar issues, when we look at all their symptoms and we actually start Uh, you know, evaluating this, they clearly do have blood sugar issues. And that's the scary part. You can have blood sugar issues sometimes for decades and not know it because there's no symptoms of high blood sugar. If your blood sugar is elevated, you don't feel anything. It's only when it starts getting bad enough that you start getting episodes of low blood sugar that you start to notice symptoms. And by that time, you're, you've got some pretty serious blood control issues, blood sugar control issues. So here's the good news, though. The really good news is this is so simple to fix. And again, I won't use the word easy. It's simple to fix. If the problem is insulin, and it is, and insulin is caused by high blood sugar, it is, and high blood sugar is caused by eating something with carbohydrates, then the solution is simple. Stop eating the carbohydrates. And it works so well. You know, Jason Fung does a ton of research in this area. This is his specialty. Lots of other doctors have. You know, I keep kind of going back and forth on this. I keep saying, look, this ketogenic diet is an excellent therapeutic diet, and then we should move more towards paleo. But honestly, the more I try it myself, the more I research on this, the more I see that the lower we keep the carb count, the better people do. And my only challenge with that or thought on it is the lower you go on carbs, the more difficult it becomes to get certain nutrients in our diet. And one of the things we see that that kind of stalls people is well, the first, well, we'll come back to that one. The first one is digestion. That's everybody. We're going to come back mm-hmm. to that. The second thing we see for some people, and if I had to pick a number, I would say maybe 30% of the people we're seeing try a, a real low carb or ketogenic diet, hit this roadblock, and it it's adrenal fatigue. And mm-hmm. once we hit that, things tend to stall. They don't see the weight loss. They don't have the energy. Sometimes it happens right at the very beginning and they never get results. Or sometimes they start to get really good results and then they stall. And adrenal fatigue comes down to two things. This is one of those areas where I might say that lifestyle is even more important than diet. Whereas when we talk about overall health, Diet is clearly the most important thing. If we fix diet, so many other things get fixed. But when it comes to adrenal health, this really is a big lifestyle issue. Adrenals become exhausted by stress. 
And most people don't realize how stressed they are. They're stressed all day long, and it's become such a normal state that they don't even understand it anymore. They don't even realize that they're stressed. But that is a huge cause. So lifestyle changes can really go a long way towards improving adrenal function. So we recommend things like yoga and um, hypnosis or meditation. And, and I really kind of like, especially for people just getting started, more of a guided hypnosis. And there's some great apps on the market now. You can download them, just listen to them on your phone. But, you know, even five or 10 minutes a day of a guided relaxation hypnosis kind of thing can go a long way towards kind of resetting the adrenals. And then the other issue we do find is sometimes on a ketogenic low-carb diet, it is a little more difficult to get the nutrients we need to support the adrenals. So I, I for a, a lot of people, I was encouraging them, you know, maybe more starchy vegetables, maybe more sweet potatoes, maybe a little more fruit or berries. It, and you can always try that. But for some people, and I may be one of them, um, I just seem to do better on lower carb. And I keep thinking, you know, well, I'm going to keep adding more carbs in. And I do, and I feel okay for a week or two. And then I start to notice at some point, and for me, it seems to be when I get up over that 70 grams of carbs a day or so. If I get up over that, then I start losing some of the benefits. I don't have that same amount of energy. I don't have the appetite control. I start to notice some more you know, symptoms here and there. So we've talked about this a lot, people being bio-individual. But I, the more I look at the results people are getting, the more I play around with this, the more I find that the lower carb I stay, the better I feel. Then I've got to figure out how do you make up the nutrition. There's a couple ways you can do this. The one I prefer is making sure that when you do eat, you're eating really nutrient-dense food. And I understand this is harder on the road. And this isn't an all or nothing. You just have to think this way. So for me, um, more organ meats, those are, those are very low-carb ways of getting tons of nutrition, beef liver being number one. Um, things like we've talked about in the past, things like sardines, um, you know, more uh, real high-quality seafood. So leaning towards low carb, but high nutrient density. And then the second way is with some supplementation. And with adrenals, we're finding that almost everybody is going to need some supplementation to get the adrenals functioning. But we always would prefer that somebody tries to get those nutrients out of their diet. And if you're able to eat pastured and grass-fed and organic and lots of organ meats and you're good with sardines and you're eating a lot of seafood, you can stay very, very low carb and get tons of nutrients and you may not need to supplement. If you're not getting those high quality nutrient dense foods, you can stay low carb, you're going to have to supplement more. And then I would encourage people to, um, you know, experiment. When we, when we talk about whether it's keto or paleo, um, 
what I've found, I think, is I don't think there's really anybody. If you want to stay really healthy, I don't think there are many people, if any, that can go above 100 grams of carbs a day. I, I really think that's kind of the upper limit if you really want to see results. So, you know, we can break this low-carb keto. Well, let, let's call it low-carb for now because um, keto, there really is no magic number. It's different for everybody. And On keto, it's just a matter of is your body producing ketones or not, then that's the number. So if we talk about low-carb, we could break it down into three categories. If we use 0 to 20 grams of carbs a day, we would call that very strict low-carb. And that's where some people need to start to get results. We could say 20 to 50 grams of carbs a day is a moderate low-carb diet. And that's where I need to stay. It's where I feel better. And I can stay in ketosis in that range. If I come above that very often, then I'll kind of drift in and out of ketosis and I don't feel all that great. So we could call liberal, say, 50 to 100 grams of carbs a day. And I, I would just encourage people to experiment. I would start as low carb as possible. Um, the other thing we could talk about, I'm not going to spend a lot more time on it today because we're going to get to a break here and then we're going to come back to calls. Um, you know, in that zero to 20 range, you may suffer some keto flu symptoms, but we've got some interesting things um, that can really help that as well. We've just added two more uh, things to the website. I created a, um, a kind of a keto flu kit um, to go along. We figured out a way to make bulletproof coffee kind of the cure for the keto flu. So I looked at all the things that were causing the keto flu, the mineral imbalance, um, some of the fat issues and digestion and those kind of things. And by doing the bulletproof coffee the way that I did, and I did a video on this, you can go on Facebook and look it up. It's also on our website. Um, the recipe that I used for bulletproof coffee was kind of designed to, to solve all those keto flu symptoms. So if you're suffering some of those, try that bulletproof coffee recipe. And then um, we also put up a, uh, a kit for adrenal fatigue. So again, if you're feeling any of those things on keto, check out those two uh, protocols and supplement kits we put up in the store. And when we get back, Kim, I'll see if you have anything and we'll get to some calls. So stick around. We'll be right back with more stuff from Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. Oh, hold on. Got a false start there. Here we go.
welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. My co-host is Kim Cocker-Ham, and we're uh, we're going to get to some calls. Kim, anything you want to add to all that or anything you want to start with? Um, yeah, I mean, you brought up the great point about insulin and, and, and sugar handling and how we're seeing everybody being across the board um, falling into that where they might not consider themselves um, having a sugar issue. And I fell into that, sugar handling. So, you know, if people, if any of this sounds familiar to anybody, it's in, these are symptoms of it is, you know, craving sweets or craving coffee in the afternoon, um, frequent thirst, uh, sleepy in the afternoon, fatigue, uh, headaches if meals are skipped, so forth. Um, so it could be any of those things. And, and what it's saying is you are having those dips and those influxes in, in your sugar handling throughout the day that are affecting you. And it could be sleep at night and you wake up tired. Um, so I've been able to combat that with, with my diet and really tweaking it. And I, I'll tell you what, I feel better than ever. And I always do low carbs. So I'm right around between 35 and 40 a day. And um, very kind of planned out. I pick from some, some different uh, foods each time. But I start out with the bulletproof just like you do. Um, and um, I get a, a scoop of collagen protein in there. So, you know, a couple hours later, I have eggs with as much vegetables as I want. So I really feel like I'm getting the nutrients too, because I've really been focusing on good vegetables. Um, fortunately, we grow our own lettuce, and it's just fabulous. And then, you know, my lunch is protein, like three, three ounces to three and a half with all the vegetables I want again, and fat, um, probably a little bit more fat than I used to do before, which was surprising, you know, um, and I kind of like it. And then my dinner is, it, it is, and it just, you know, you do, I find I'm not as hungry at dinner, so I have to watch my timing. Otherwise I get where, you know, I really don't want to eat dinner and I won't force it. You know, if you're not hungry, don't, you know, then I don't, but, um, I, that will, that I will find will then throw me off, you know, with the sugar handling. So, um, and my dinner's the same. It's three to three and a half ounces of a protein and all the vegetables I want. And, but I add a carb I add, and it's a little, it's three ounces of like a sweet potato with fat on it. And that has been a life changer for me right now. And it's keep my carbs right where I want. It's keeping, I feel like my sugar is really balanced throughout the day. I'm sleeping better than ever. And, um, I just want to see where this goes, and it, it just really fell in line with what we're seeing with people and, um, you know, our whole look at how insulin affects the body. Yeah, great stuff, and, and you know, I, I got thinking you were talking about sleep there, and I had mentioned adrenal fatigue being an issue we're really seeing with a lot of people, and I said that's lifestyle, and when you look at the lifestyle for a driver, it's no wonder we mm. see adrenal and we have to address this, mm-hmm. their sleep schedules are, are horrendous. And, and that's mm-hmm. just part of the lifestyle. And I don't see any real way of changing that. So that means we just need to work that much harder on building a habit of relaxation and meditation and maybe some yoga. And, and we're probably going to have to supplement for adrenal support, uh, at least in the beginning, for a lot of people, we're, we're really seeing, and I said, uh, uh, I was going to go back to digestion, and all I'm going to say there is everybody needs help, everybody, mm-hmm. across mm-hmm. the board, we have not found a single person yet that doesn't need some digestive support, and the, the, the cool thing about that is, is it's easy, you know, we know that the, the two supplements, we have a couple different, but Basically, two or three supplements for digestion, one for stomach acid, one for fat digestion, and a good probiotic. 
And we have a couple different to pick from, so we kind of tweak it depending on what the person's dealing with. But the good news on digestion is it's easy to fix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, one other thing on, on adrenals, which um, it goes along with you talking about eating real whole foods too. So um, two things, I, you know, our drivers, especially, I think they, you know, they're taking care of everybody, their customers, you know, their families, they have so much stress and um, really encourage them to give themselves permission to put themselves first and find a way, find a way to find that relaxation or things, picking up a hobby or things, you know, ask yourself, what did I like to do before, you know, or what makes, what, what gives me joy? What makes me laugh? We you know, shared that with one person, find, find a way to laugh every day. When's the last time you out and out laughed, you know? Um, and with the real food, so, you know, adrenals, all hormones and stuff. So if we can keep to the real whole foods, you're limiting the amount of, um, you know, hormones are getting through your food and, and that that are just, you know, wreaking havoc on our bodies. Good point. What do you say we get to some calls? That sounds great. All right. Let's get started in Wisconsin. Sherry, welcome to the program. Hello. Thanks for taking my call. You're um, welcome. Okay. I, I have no gallbladder. Um, and I have been on Prilosec since it came out over the counter. I have acid re- reflux, something fierce. I can drink a glass of water and I'm dying. Um, what can you suggest? Well, there's good news. I take a news. probiotic. I take um, uh, one that's got uh, enzymes in it and bio uh bio acid whatever that is um, and i still i am dying so now you said you took a probiotic and what else are you taking a bio salt yes i got bio salt and and then i also take a probiotic and it's got um uh digestive enzymes in it and uh, ox bio, and I forgot what else it has in it. But, okay. Uh, How long have you been taking that uh, bile salt supplement? Um, for two months now. Okay. So that that did you notice any help from that at all? Well, see, that's just it. I take the Prilosec, uh, so I don't know if it's working. Yeah, it, it's not. And I was asking just to see if we saw any symptom relief at all, but we're not going to. You're, you're doing two things that are kind of canceling each other out. So this That's is a great time. Of. Yeah, this is a great time to talk about digestion again overall, because this, is, like I just said, you know, a couple minutes ago, Everybody needs help with digestion. We have not come across a single person yet that doesn't. So um, digestion is a north to south process. And we have to go really, really far north. It starts in our brain. And it's a, we haven't talked about this in a while, so it's a good time to remind people. Digestion starts in the brain. We need to set our body up for digestion before we start eating. And 
it's very common now that we don't do that. We eat on the run. We eat when we're stressed. We eat looking at our phone. We eat responding to emails or text messages, or we have, we're scrolling through Facebook while we eat. We're eating while we drive. That is a horrible start for digestion. So the first thing I recommend for people is start planning your meals and make them just about the food. Or more importantly, and I know this is difficult on the road, make it about food and people. Eat, eat with somebody you enjoy being with and make, it, make your meals more of an experience. But if you can't eat with somebody, at least be very conscientious about eating. Take a moment to sit and get quiet and relax and breathe deep and think about the food that starts the digestive process before we even eat if we get our body in that right frame of mind that actually starts releasing digestive enzymes of our own then chew your food well and this is a tough one i still struggle with this i have to remind myself of this all the time that gets the digestive process started the next step, and, and I know you're missing this one, is we need really strong stomach acid, and we need lots of it. And guess what Prilosec does? Kills it. Kills it. It reduces the stomach acid. It turns off the pumps so that you don't have any stomach acid. Well, there's two huge problems with that. One is you're not going to digest the food properly in the stomach to begin with, but also it is the pH of your stomach acid that signals the pancreas and the liver and the gallbladder to release all of their digestive enzymes. So if we but don't- But I don't have get, a gallbladder. No, I know. So that's why supplementing bile salts, but it's not working because we're not signaling with that strong stomach acid. So the bile, supplementing with the bile salts is what replaces the function of your gallbladder. So that's good, but your stomach isn't functioning properly and that breaks the chain. The, The digestive process is north to south, and if you break any link in that chain, you're compromising the digestion. So it's getting in the right frame of mind, chewing the food properly, having the right stomach acid, having the right um, digestive enzymes in the small intestine, having the right gut flora in the large intestine. We have to have that entire chain working properly. And right now that Prilosec is breaking the chain right in the very beginning and nothing else is working and those are the symptoms you're seeing so stick around and we'll talk about how we're going to fix that part of the problem and your acid reflux all at the same time we'll be right back i'm kevin rutherford Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. My co-host is Kim Cockerham. We're talking with Sherry in Wisconsin. Kim, you've worked a lot with this. Um, 
Sherry, we have an entire protocol to get people off of the acid blockers and the PPIs. You, you've got to wean yourself off of these. And we also need to, to start to strengthen your stomach acid so that your digestion works better. And the interesting thing is, this will also cure the acid reflux. So, Kim, why don't you go over that real quick? I know you've worked with people on that protocol and you're pretty familiar with this. Yeah, I was just trying to find it because I just had it pulled out. We actually just got all the products in the store. Um, the protocol is not out there um, for people to read right now. Here it is because um, I laid it out as far as time. So, um, Sherry, it's like a month, you know, a 30-day focus. You know, so you're weaning off for one to two weeks where you're taking your Prilosec every other day. And then while you're doing that, you're supplementing, Okay. Um, on the off days, you're adding one more supplement. So you're, you're building your um, stomach acid up as, and um, while you're taking, you know, so you're taking the, your Prilosec, but you're also taking some supplement to help with the, the stomach acid. And the day you're not taking it, you're taking a little bit more, okay? So you do that for one to two weeks. Um, and then you're going to try a phase two where you go off of your Prilosec and have a very focused, um, supplementation things through that. And so each time you're going to be really, really gauging where you feel, you know, if, if you need to back up and, you know, take a little bit more of your Prilosec, but you're slowly building your stomach acid and healing at the same time, because one of the supplements is a healing one. And so, um, so you get to the point where you can stop it all together. And it, I, I like it because, you know, I know you've probably been hanging on to that for so long because you probably feel miserable if you don't have it or are afraid to not take it. And so this is kind of, um, you know, like a little hand-holding through it and a little net to help you um, do that. Where can I find this protocol? Okay, so I will, before, we're going to be getting it up on, on, the, um, on the webpage, but in the meantime, I can get it to you and, and, you know, even talk to you after the show and let you know um, exactly what's order we just got the product in beginning of this week i think to to support this for us to do this and we have one gentleman that's getting ready to start it next week so okay does that sound good sounds great okay All if right. i get off this prilosec yep we will get you off the prilosec and you're going to be amazed at how much better you feel and then we'll be able to address the fat digestion without the gallbladder as well. And once you start digesting fat properly, everything gets better. You know, Kim, the one thing I did mention, we talked about adrenal fatigue being an issue. And this, believe it or not, comes back to fat digestion because the adrenals are all about hormones. Tons and tons of hormones going on working with the adrenals. And in order to build good hormones in our body, we need lots of good fat and we have to digest it. So we find that sometimes the adrenal fatigue could just be some nutrients missing in the diet. And that's why we supplement. But it could also be tied to poor fat digestion and we just don't have the building blocks we need for the adrenals to build the hormones. Yeah. You know, I just heard Dr. X, uh, I was listening to one of his webinars say, and it just, he said, you know, we always say you are what you eat, 
but it should be more you are what you digest because <laughs> it doesn't matter what you eat if you're digesting so yep always comes back to that that's a great way of putting it yeah and he does a ton of good stuff on adrenal support and health mm-hmm. yeah really informative all right let's go to oregon ken welcome to the program hey kevin um we're having a hard time getting grass-fed uh beef liver so in that case is any beef liver good beef liver better than none uh yeah let me talk about that where do you live uh battleground washington um have you looked at crowd cow yeah i have um uh, I just didn't know if we had to, if we can just order liver because I already got yeah. uh, our local uh, beef supplier for all grass-fed beef. Yeah, you can order just the liver. That's the beauty of Crowd Cow is you go in and order whatever cut you want. If you just want ground beef, just order ground beef. If you just want some brisket, you order brisket. If you want a beef heart, you order a heart. So from Crowd Cow, I, most of my um usual cuts like ground beef roast steaks all of that comes from butcher box and it just shows up every month i have a subscription when i order from crowd cow i get all my organ meats um you know heart liver i i order all my bones for making bone broth so check out crowd their liver is just awesome when uh, it's cleaned, it's trimmed, it's packaged in perfect one-pound packages, it's probably the best liver I've found anywhere. So there's one way of solving. Go ahead. They grind it. Do they grind it for you, or can you get it ground? No. Uh, no. Okay. You're, you're gonna have to, yeah. If you want to do any kind of ground application, you'll have to do that yourself when you get it. But the the quality, the packaging, everything is just awesome. So there's one way for you to get better liver but let's talk about if you can't there is a myth and a misconception that eating liver could be bad for you actually um because people believe that because the liver one of its big jobs is to detoxify the body they believe that the liver is loaded with toxins so then they say, well, if you're going to eat liver, it better be, you know, a healthy animal raised on the pasture, that kind of thing. And that's certainly better. But even if you're eating conventionally raised beef, the thing is the liver doesn't store toxins. The liver filters toxins. It's your body stores toxins in fat, not the liver. The liver doesn't hold on to any of those toxins. It filters them and sends them into the fat cells to store. So the liver, people think it's a big filter and it's holding all these toxins. That's not true. It just, it filters them and moves them to other parts of the body. So yeah, if you can't get grass fed or pastured and you have to get conventional, liver is still an amazing source of nutrients. Now, it might not be quite as nutrient-dense mineral-wise if it's been raised conventionally, but it's still, if you look at the nutrient profile for conventionally raised liver, it just blows away every other food. So I would say, try to seek out the best quality, but if you, if you 
can only get conventional, still eat it. Still really good for you. Okay. Well, I'll get some conventional until I can make that order on Butcher Box to get some. Um, uh, crowd cow. That, is there? Okay. Yeah, crowd cow. Other than that, is there any way you can get me over to where I can order some light balance? I can do that. I will put you on hold, and Bridget will pick up, and we'll get some light balance right out to you. Let's uh, let's go to Georgia. Brad, welcome to the program. Brad, are you with me? Yes, sir, I am. Sorry about that, Kevin. That's okay. Um, just had a question about a hernia. Um, is there anything I can do to make it better or at least try not to have surgery on it in, in the future? Uh, I'm going to say probably not, and then I'll give you some ideas and anyway. That, and the reason I say probably not, okay. you know, we talk about all the things that a really good, clean, whole food diet can fix, and the list is really, really long. But a hernia is a physical um, issue. It's not a metabolic right. issue. It's like it's kind of like saying a broken arm. You know, we, we can't heal a broken arm with really good nutrition. As much as I'd like to think so, it'll fix a lot of things. But when we physically change a part of the body, break it, tear it, you know, harm it, um, the body's pretty amazing at rebuilding certain things, but it, and it could certainly rebuild a broken bone. The problem is if you don't set it properly, it's going to it's going to repair wrong. So a hernia is similar in there. There is a physical defect in the body. So having said all that. Good nutrition, even if it can't fix things, makes everything better. So just following a good, clean, paleo, keto diet will reduce the inflammation, will reduce the pain, may even actually start to heal this somewhat, but I kind of doubt that it's going to heal itself. Okay. And that's kind of what I had thought as well. Yeah, it, it'll certainly help, but this is one of those things that may just need a physical fix. Um, you may want to uh, check with a chiropractor, though. I, I've seen some chiropractors that specialize in um, working with issues like this. So that may be an option. And, and a naturopath. I would always start there. There's the music. That means we are all out of time. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Robinson. All right, we're going to do a second hour, so here we go. Your money, your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. This is Destination Health. My co-host is Kim Cockerham. This is the show where we take your calls and answer your questions 
about everything health. We can talk about fitness, nutrition, diet, exercise, training, disease. We, we will get back to you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, just so people know, we have a couple programs, very in-depth programs that we do. We have our Gold Highway program. Um, that's you and I doing this one-on-one. -on -one. We get very involved. We really dig through all the information. We put a plan together for those people. We're going to follow up with them. We're going to be there every step of the way. Um, that's obviously a paid program. We put a tremendous amount of time into that program, and that's kind of like the gold standard. It, you, we will solve your problems on that program. That, that is the whole point. We will stick with you. We will keep working it till we solve that. We even have a follow-up to that called Health Gauges, where even after the program is over, you still are with us every month. It's a monthly subscription program. That's the, in that program, the Gold Highway and then the Health Gauges, we will solve the problems. We, we will keep digging and troubleshooting and working and tweaking until we solve all the problems. But we realize that some people aren't there yet. They're not ready to get into a program that's that intensive. Maybe they're still not convinced. Maybe it's a little too expensive. Um, so we thought we needed, we, we need a way to kind of help people introduce them to the process and, and show them the kind of things that are going wrong. So what we've done is at no charge, we will set, set somebody up with the uh, evaluation process where they go in and they take this whole survey on symptoms and we will run it through the software and we will create kind of a, a beginning idea of what they should be doing. Now, again, this is free, so we can't put a tremendous amount of time into this, but we are creating that that starting point for them to say, look, mm -hmm. based on your symptoms, here's what's going wrong. You know, you're having some digestion issues. You're having some sugar handling issues. Many people, what we're finding is four or five or six things going wrong. And what we can do, though, is focus them in and say, look, you can't address all of this at once. Focus on this. Let's fix mm -hmm. this. And, and we're doing that free. And, and again, like you said, if you've signed up for that, be patient. We have well over a hundred of these that we're working on. So we will get them out. Uh, if you haven't heard back, you will. And um, it, it's a way to just get you started. And then you could decide, do you want more help? And if so, we have options. Do you want to just try doing it yourself? Um, we can give you some resources on that as well. But what we're seeing is there are a lot of people with a lot of symptoms and we're, for the people who will work the program, we're seeing big improvements really fast. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it is that quick and, and it's, it's cool. You know, it, we're even video, we're hoping to video with people. You and I have been video conferencing, talking through these. And I think you feel the same thing I do is that there's just, um, so much hope and, and when, and we were wondering what that would look like, you know, as we were gathering all this information, we weren't quite sure what that looked like. And then you pull it all together and you're like, oh my gosh, this is going to help them. If, you know, yes. if they're willing to do the work and the people we've got to work with so far are that they're so diligent and, and you just know, you just know they're going to, 
succeed. And, you know, for those that might even have a little trouble with it, we're here with you. We're going to, we're going to walk this journey with you. Yeah. And you know, one of the biggest changes we're seeing the absolute measurable result, tons of people say, Oh my God, I feel amazing. I have energy. I'm losing weight. I've never felt this good, but we also have very measurable results when it comes to blood sugar control. We have so many stories of people with crazy high A1C numbers. You know, they might only be getting a three or a six month medical card because their A1C is too high. They're on multiple medications for blood sugar control. And we have story after story of A1C numbers coming down in 30 days and people getting off their diabetic mm-hmm. medication. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And we're the ones that are so lucky to get to hear their excitement and their voice and their email. And and we want those stories, you guys. We want to hear what this has done for you. So put that reminder out, you know, send it to us at support at letstruck.com. Let us know what this has done for you and uh, for people in your family if, if you've carried it that far. Absolutely. And and let me make that reminder because we're heading into a break, mm-hmm. then we're going to come back and get to your calls and questions. Two things. Uh, if you are interested in the free evaluation, you can still get in on that. At some point, we may have to turn these off because we want to make sure we don't keep mm-hmm. people waiting long. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right now, we can still take more. Go to the website, letstruck.com. You'll see it right there. Sign up for it. We'll get you a link to take the survey. Then we'll get some results and some ideas back out to you. And also, like Kim just said, if you have been doing this and we've helped you and you have a success story, we'd love to hear about it. We'd love to see before and after pictures. If it's weight loss, tell us about, you know, how you're feeling better. Send that all to support at letstruck.com. We'll be right back. We'll get to your calls and questions right after this. Kevin Rupp. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. My co-host is Kim Cockerham. And Kim, what do you say we get to some questions? Yeah, that sounds great. All right. Let's start off in Wyoming. Guy, welcome to the program. Guy, are you with me? Oh. Not hearing anything. I'll put you back on hold and see if we can salvage that line. Let's head north of the border. Bonnie in Canada, welcome to the program. Hi. Hi, Kevin. What can we help you with today? (laughs) Okay, are we there? We are. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Love your show, Kevin. 
I have some problems with my eyes, and I listened and heard lots about digestive, but I'm really concerned with my eyes. I have pressure build up with my eyes. I suffered for quite some time with pain in my one eye. Finally went and got it checked after six months of dealing with this dull, gnawing pain. And they sent me, they told me I had grossly enlarged retinas. So I go and then they do a laser, put some holes to remove the pressure. They're telling me I have molting going on and they would like to do this procedure again, but I've had it done in September and my eyes are very sore, very sore. And I'm not sure I want to have it done again. I was wondering if you would have any suggestions or advice or... Uh, I do. Um, And here's the thing. Rather than try to focus specifically on those symptoms, this is what our medical community does, though. This is just how it's designed. This is how it works. They focus on symptoms. You have a symptom. It's showing up in your eye. Your eye has this problem. So they look for a way to fix the symptom whether it's a drug or surgery or whatever it is, but all they're addressing is the symptom. Has anybody addressed why you have this problem in your eye? Not really. I've been told, oh, you have early stage of of, uh, glaucoma starting. Well, I don't have glaucoma in my family. Well, and you may very well be, but then the question would still become, why? Why do I have glaucoma? What's causing it? Because glaucoma is just a name for symptoms. It's just the sick glaucoma is just a way of saying, here's what's happening. You're getting pressure in your eye. Well, tell me why I'm getting pressure in my eye. But, but we, our, our medical community doesn't do that. It looks at symptoms and it treats it with surgery or drugs. So what we do know about eyes is that they are very sensitive to nutrients. The eyes are complex, there's a lot going on in them, and they need lots of nutrition to function properly. Now, rather than try to dig really deep and figure out what nutrient might be missing, because again, that's almost trying to focus on the symptoms, what we do in nutritional therapy is we say, let's fix the foundations first. It'd be like trying to take a building where the the foundation is literally falling apart and fix the roof. Well, we may stop the leak, but the building's still going to fall down. That's all they're doing. They're, they're, you're, you, I guarantee you we can find problems with your foundation, yet all they're focusing on is trying to fix your eyes. And all they're trying to really fix are the symptoms in your eyes. So... We wouldn't even really target the eye as the problem. That's just showing us that there's something wrong in the body. So when we talk about fixing the foundations, we fix things like digestion, number one. Well, well, no, actually, number one is diet. We, We get a really clean, whole food diet in place. That's number one. That's the first foundation. Then, like Kim said earlier, you know, The phrase shouldn't be you are what you eat. It should be you are what you digest. So as long as we're eating good stuff, then we focus on digestion. And it is amazing how many things will resolve itself with just those two steps. Really clean diet, fixed digestion, 
many, many problems go away. That's why we start with foundations first, because we might do those two things and your eye problem might resolve itself. And that's amazing when that happens. If it doesn't, we could move on to things like blood sugar control, um, essential fatty acid, mineral balance, hydration. Um, we may target something like uh, if we do fix the foundations and we find out, you know, your eyes got better, but they're still not perfect. Then we might start to target it. Is it an adrenal issue that's causing the eye problem? Uh, is it a pituitary issue? Could be either one, but we don't start there. We start with the foundations, get those strong because we have to do that to get you healthy anyway. And if it resolves the problem, that's awesome. If it helps the problem some, but doesn't solve it completely, then we can move on to more targeted approach. Does that all make sense? Yes, it does. Because when I'm home and I eat properly, my eyes aren't near as sore. The minute I start wow. driving again and I'm on the road, I hurt. Like my eyes get very sore. Interesting. So I, I, have symptom, I have a symptom like that as well. That is an instant reminder of how I'm eating. For me, it's joint pain. If I'm eating clean, zero joint pain. If I go on the road and I'm traveling and it's harder to eat clean, the joint pain comes back pretty quick. It sounds like the your eyes are that for you. It's almost like the canary in the coal mine kind of thing. It's that first early warning that something isn't right with our diet. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it. So, so you know then eating clean, you've already seen that it helps. And, and, you know, we all have to fight with this. When you're on the road, we realize it's even harder. But if it's always in your mind, you're always thinking about it, you're always thinking about what food choice you're making, you're on the right track already with that and you've seen the results. The next thing I would address with you would be digestion. Um, we get digestion right. A lot of things resolve themselves with that one step. The other thing you could do is you could go do the, um, the free evaluation we have. And, and it may point out something specific that is affecting your eyes. But even so, we would still really focus on diet and digestion first. Yeah. Hey, Kevin, um, go ahead. Take a, you might take a, take a peek at your chat. I sent and, and Bonnie, thanks for filling that out. And I'm shaking my okay. head because you were describing everything that we were talking about <laughs> that might be going on and it's in her chart. I'm thinking you're looking at her chart and <laughs> oh. Bonnie, he got it. He nailed it without even seeing your symptom burden thing that we do. Yeah. Okay. He nailed it. And it's true. I mean, things like, you know, your eyes at night, um, you know, or, or that you need to feel like you need sunglasses, you know, where they're sore. Um, those are all like vitamin deficiencies and can go right down to, um, you know, just not digesting your fats right. So, so you're not getting some good vitamin A that's a fat-soluble vitamin. So, yeah, it's, I, Kevin, it, it's, it's and, it, and it's hopeful because I think you can, with some attention to digestion and as a diet and digestion to start with, uh, it might relieve some of your pain. So, Bonnie, real quick, how do you feel about liver? Oh, I used to eat a pile of it when I was a child, but I will go back and try it again. <laughs> I was anemic 
really bad when I was a child, and I had to eat that stuff pretty raw. <laughs> okay. Well, the, the, the more rare you can eat it, the better. It is more nutrient. Liver is one of those things that we don't want to destroy the nutrients that are in it. And e even if you have to cook it completely, you're not destroying all the nutrients. But for you, and Kim just hit this right on the head, and I said it earlier, the eyes are very nutrient um, reliant. They need a lot of nutrients, vitamins, minerals, cofactors. Um, and one of the quickest ways to get all of those in a very absorbable form is liver so you know we we've always heard that carrots are good for your eyes right isn't that we've we've heard that forever yeah and, and i've ate my share of carrots <laughs> well here's the thing we say that because it's it's high in technically this is incorrect we say it's high in vitamin a and vitamin a is really good for your eyes but carrots aren't high in vitamin a at all they're high in beta carotene. Unfortunately, our bodies are not very good at converting beta carotene into vitamin A. Other animals do a better job of it, and that vitamin A gets stored in the liver. So if you get really good, clean, grass-fed beef liver, the vitamin A, and it's not beta carotene, it is true vitamin A, it is off the charts. Four ounces of beef liver is like 500% of the vitamin A that you need for the day. So I, I would encourage you, and glad that you ate it as a kid, so that means you may not completely enjoy it, but you know that you can eat it. I would highly encourage you to include um, good, clean, grass-fed beef liver in your diet and and bonnie great stuff we'll continue working with you uh, we can fix this we'll be right back stick around kevin rutherford Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. My co-host is Kim Cockerham. We're going to get right back to the calls. Um, Kim, I got to share this with you because it's kind of funny and you'll get a kick out of this because you know what Lisa's sense of humor is like. Um, so speaking <laughs> of liver, um, I like liver. And the more I eat it, the more I like it. I, I am actually starting to crave it now. And I, I, I'm doing a thing I just for whatever reason, I don't know why I started this, um, but it's Liver Tuesday. I just knew that I should be eating once or twice a week, um, and I had to kind of create a habit so I would remember it because it's easy to forget, and then you think, oh, when was the last time I had it? So I figured I should just create a habit because I know it's, it's that important. It is such a good food. 
So I thought, all right, I'm just going to pick a day. And after the show, we always record on Tuesdays and right after the show is lunch. So I'll have this trigger. I'll always know after I do the power hour on Tuesdays for lunch, I will have liver and I share it with diesel because it's really good for him and it's his favorite. So every Tuesday I cook a pound of liver. Um, we half of it on Tuesday, we finish it for leftovers on Wednesday and I can just take it out of the package, throw it in a pan, fry it up and eat it. I, I don't need a lot of preparation, but some people, it, it doesn't taste that great. The texture is kind of weird. It's unusual for them. So I've been looking for ways to kind of hide it or, or to make it a little more palatable. And I came up with a good chili recipe, came up with a recipe for doing burgers where you take, you know, a third ground beef, a third bacon, a third liver, grind it together. It makes an excellent burger. But then I read somewhere, and people will probably remember this if they grew up with liver, that a lot of people will soak it in milk um, for a couple hours. And I guess it pulls out kind of that minerally taste that is off-putting for some people. Um, so I thought, you know what, I'm going to try that. Not that, you know, I'm not going to do it because for me it's easy to just throw it in the pan and be done. But I'm going to try it and see if it really helps. And then it's something I could recommend to people. I look in the refrigerator, there was no milk, but there was yogurt. That's the same thing, maybe even better with the enzymes and the acidity and it does have the dairy. So I thought, I'm just going to marinate the liver in yogurt. So I put it in a container, set it on the counter. Imagine what liver in yogurt <laughs> looks like. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it, it's kind of funky looking and, um, Lisa happened to open it up before I could warn her what it was <laughs> and it kind of freaked her out a little bit. So she was, you know, commenting on this nasty experiment I had going on on the counter, but she just sent me this beautiful designed kind of handout postcard. Wow. It's got beautiful food on it. It's just gorgeous looking. The design is amazing, but here's what it is. It's a recipe for yogurt marinated chicken livers. Um, <laughs> oh, but but you got to read it. Well, you'll get it because you, like I said, you get her sense of humor. Here, here are the directions. Wash off all the nastiness from the liver. Oh. Grab your favorite yogurt. Make sure it's the kind with creepy crawlies and mix the two oh together. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> awesome. Oh, that is awesome. Let it sit room temperature long enough to get acquainted. Warm up your pan with your favorite lard, pork, beef, bison, bear, or wolf. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> she did say she's on a roll today. <laughs> I, well, she is. And, of course, you know, it, she sends it over to me while I'm trying to do the show. So I was oh trying to talk. time Because that's hilarious. Um so, and I will tell you that if you do soak the livers in dairy, whether it's milk or um, yogurt, it does pull out some of that minerally taste. So it makes it more mild. So if you're new to liver and you're not all that wild about it, you may want to try that step. You only need to marinate it for like one to three hours or so. And, it, and it'll pull out some of that mineral, that strong mineral taste, make it a little more all right, let's get back to some calls. Let's go to Ohio. Gary, welcome to the program. Well, hi. 
that's kind of funny that you're talking about liver because I really don't like liver, but but I've been doing this ketogenic thing and I know I don't eat enough vegetables and stuff. And I was just going to run this by you, whatever about uh, taking three pounds of uh, grass-fed burger because I bought a quarter beef and I ha I got all the liver and I was just going to add with three pounds of burger and one pound of liver just to dilute it out and just put like oregano, uh, basil, garlic, cayenne pepper, black pepper, Himalayan salt, onion, and turmeric. And I was going to okay. mix it together and put it in like small, like like half inch thick by a little bigger than a silver dollar patties and just fry it in, in uh, lard. I made lard. Fried in lard, on you know, like around 300 to 320 degrees or something like that. And just have it for snacks. You know, I tried doing something with uh without the liver but i'm trying to add the liver in to put it into something because i really don't like it that's a great idea and and that's a, a just an all-around good idea to get the liver in that's a good ratio uh to cook it that way to make it kind of a snack i think you're gonna like the taste and yeah it's a great way to do it and i love the fact that you're doing it at a low temperature so Here's the interesting thing I've I've learned about deep frying. Um, we've always been told deep frying is bad for us. This is actually one that they got right. Deep frying is bad for us, but it's mostly because of what they were recommending. They were recommending the hydrogenated oils in the beginning, which are horrible for us. Then when they figured out the hydrogenated oils were bad, they went to seed oils or vegetable oils. And when you fry vegetable oils, I'm not sure... They're at least as bad. They may even be worse than hydrogenated oils. When you heat them up, they, they, the fats get damaged and they wreak havoc in our body. The, the thing that people always believe, though, is most of what we deep fry tends to have a batter to it. And if you try to deep fry something with a batter at a low temperature, it just soaks up all the oil and it gets soggy and nasty. It won't get crisp. So we've always been told, well, fry at 350, 375, that'll fix that. But if you're frying things like chicken wings or meatballs or something with no batter, you can fry down at 300 degrees. It just takes a little longer, but you can still get a nice crispy coating on it. And if you're using a good quality, I, I do all my deep frying now in uh, beef tallow. And the flavor. Yep, that's what I have. Yeah, the flavor and the texture, it makes the best wings ever. Um, I've even done some fried fish with, uh, I've made some almond flour batters and coatings, and um, it's really good. So use a good quality uh, tallow, what you're doing, low temperature, what you're doing, adding the liver. This is an excellent idea. Do they do they make a... a uh, like a, a deep fryer, a smaller deep fryer that I can set the temperature and not actually, because I have one of those fry daddies and it's just automatically 350 degrees, which I haven't used in a year and a half just because I went on a ketogenic diet. So I don't use, I don't eat grains. You know, do they make a, 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 a fryer that you can just I turn a dial and... I would think that they do. I haven't looked, but I would think that a quick search on Amazon would probably bring up a smaller 
uh, deep fryer with the temperature setting. So I would certainly look for that. That's a great idea. I, I cook a lot and um, I have a deep fryer built in in the kitchen um, and the temperature control on that is amazing. So, uh, but I, I would think that a quick search on Amazon would, would find something like that. Let's go to Wisconsin. Pete, welcome to the program. So it's got to be from the stove tonight. You know, I'll tell you a truth or not, I think about it. There's been a few times that. Hey, Pete, come back to your phone. Hello. Hey, Pete, we're over here. Oh, all right, got it, got it. There we go. I'm trying trying a new thing, what do you call it? This is my second day fasting. My question to you is, uh, the coconut oil and the butter that I put in my coffee, am I breaking my fast or what do you call it? Uh, am I okay with that? So this is an interesting question. And Kim, I, I'll let you jump in with um, anything you might have gotten from Jimmy on this or, or uh, Dr. Fung. Uh, you know, a true fast, the idea is no real calories. I mean, the idea of a true fast was just either water, maybe some broth, but but I don't think there's any absolute definite answer to this. I, I think that fasting with some fats is a, still a really good idea. And the reason being that one of the benefits of fasting is that we don't see any blood sugar spikes or insulin spikes when we're not eating. But fat is kind of the same way. You're not going to see any insulin spike whatsoever from fat. So I think you can eat the fat and still get the majority of the benefits from fasting. Um, We'll talk about that more right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rothman. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Uh, Kim, I can't believe it. We're down to the final segment already again. Um, I haven't had a chance yet to get all the way through um, Jimmy's new book on fasting. Did he cover that in there? He did. And you know what? And I just pulled it up here too. And um, because I just, it it was probably about a month ago after Jimmy was on, I did a fast and I started the day with a bulletproof and I had bone broth. Um, I did have bone broth. I was trying to see, and Jimmy talked about that too on one of his, what did he talk about on the show? Um, and I think you hit it on the nose. Jimmy, you mentioned a calorie count though. That's the only thing I was kind of checking, but I think you hit it on the nose. It has to do with the spike in the sugar. I was trying to yeah, look here it- for one of their samples. Yeah. If we're not, if we're fasting and the only thing we're consuming is fat, uh, you know, we, we don't have any carbohydrates to spike the insulin. We don't have any protein that could potentially spike the insulin. Um, it's just fat. And I, I think that that's as close as you're going to get to a true fast with no fat, but it's so much easier to do. You know, you try to do a true fast, no food, just water. It's miserable. It's certainly a little easier if you're fat adapted, 
but it's much easier to fast for me anyway with the bulletproof coffee. Kim, did we lose you? Lose me or him? I thought we lost him. Uh, oh yeah, I was talking. I want to bring him back on right now. Yeah, there you go, so Pete. Here I have it. Okay, here I have it right okay. now. I'm looking at it. Coffee. You can consume up to six cups of coffee on a fasting day. What you can add: coconut oil, the MCT oil, butter, ghee, heavy whipping cream, half and half whole milk, ground cinnamon for flavor. Got it. That that's what I thought. It, it, the the coffee is actually helps the fasting a lot because the fat really satisfies your appetite, keeps your energy levels up, but doesn't interfere with the major benefits of fasting because we keep that insulin level really stable. Great. That makes sense. Uh, like I said, uh, yeah. Well, see, I listened. Uh, uh, it was on a video. I listened to that, and they say getting past the second day is the hardest thing. And I got a day and a half in so far, so good. I'm doing good. But like I said, you know, I have my bulletproof coffee in the morning. And and usually uh, about, I don't know, 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I'll have another one. And I feel great. I don't get craving. Well, when I sit in front of the TV, I get a little bit of craving. So I try to keep busy and then with my mind off eating, then it's no problem at all. Yeah. Excellent. Um, Kim, you know, I think this is an, uh, we see a lot of people with some uh, issues around gut healing. And mm -hmm. if you were to do a, a fast, a, a day, two, three, whatever, and, and the more often you do it, the more results I think you would see. If you were to do a bulletproof coffee with the recipe that I posted on Facebook and on our blog. Um, so it's got the collagen gelatin in it, which is kind of healing, gut healing. It's got the light balance, which will keep your minerals balanced while you're fasting. And it's got the fats to keep you satisfied. And then if you were also to include some bone broth, which is also very gut healing, you know, I think you could do a really quick, intensive gut heal this way because you're, you're, there's no food. So you're giving your entire digestive system a break and a rest. It's not working. And the only two things we are consuming, the bulletproof coffee with the collagen gelatin and the bone broth, we're also doing some pretty intensive gut healing at the same time. Yeah, we sure are. Because you're getting rid of some of the, you know, bad stuff, you know, and getting rid of some inflammation and feeding it with some really good stuff. So, yeah, it doesn't yeah. hurt to do that every now and then. Yeah, great idea. Let's go to Wyoming. David, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Uh, Rose and I have been on the uh, keto diet uh, for about 18 months. Uh, she's lost 25 pounds. I've lost about 19 pounds. for doing well. Um, Excellent. When I was a boy, when I was a boy, um, I was uh, I went through annual episodes of uh, what the doctors at that time called low blood sugar. I would go uh, one to three days uh, uh, with fainting spells, uh, hot sweats, and vomiting, and feeling miserable, bedridden for two or three days at a time. And I outgrew that around 11 years old. But uh, I've had three episodes since I've been on the keto diet. Uh, first one being the most severe, I kind of literally crawled out of bed and crawled myself to the restroom and and uh, and uh, just sat there 
I thought I was going to have a heart attack. Uh, it, it, I just felt miserable. And then I had two more episodes after that, uh, but they weren't they were not as severe. Uh, I, I got a feeling it has something to do with low blood sugar. Do you have any advice with respect to that? I do. The first thing I would just verify that it is what's going on. It sounds like it is. Are you? Do you measure blood sugar levels at all? I have not. I would highly recommend you get get a, a glucometer, uh, thirty or forty bucks at any um, uh, drugstore. The one I really like is the Precision Extra. Uh, let me make sure that's the right one. Sometimes I get them confused. Precision Extra. The reason I recommend that one, it's it's a it's accurate. It's easy to get strips for. And if you ever decide that if you want to measure ketone levels, you could buy strips. And that's one of the few meters that also measures ketone levels as well. Um, I, I would just verify. Have, Go ahead. I have measured uh, ketone levels uh, with the strips, but uh, not the not the blood level. I also had okay. one more quick question regarding that. I have uh, five cousins from the same family who all suffer with gout. Uh, would, that, would the keto diet benefit them? It will as long as they do it right and they keep their protein levels moderate. So gout can be um, caused by high sugar, actually, and it can also be caused or aggravated by high protein. So a very high fat keto diet is excellent for gout. Where most people go wrong is they eat too much protein. So that's the one thing you re I, I try to stress that to everybody. A keto diet is not a high protein diet. It's a high fat diet. But especially with gout, we have to really reinforce that idea that they've got to cut their protein intake down quite a bit and go very high fat and the gout will disappear that that's actually an easy one to fix so let's go back to your blood sugar i would start measuring to see one if that's truly what's happening so if you get any of those symptoms i would check your blood sugar in the morning fasting i would check it an hour and two hours after meals and i would certainly check it any time you feel one of those symptoms or anything at that even remotely feels like low blood sugar check it right then and let's see if that's what's happening we have got if you go to our website and you look under health calls we have a protocol for um, blood sugar control we actually have two of them one of them um, for people who suffer more from hypoglycemia which is low blood sugar episodes that would be you um, we have a, a kind of a regiment of supplements that'll fix that um, it, it's the digestion and the essential fatty acids like we recommend for a lot of people. But we also add in a, uh, an awesome supplement, bioglycozyme, really, really good for supporting low blood sugar issues. And also a, uh, a mushroom coffee mix that we found that has cordyceps mushrooms in it, which is one of the most powerful food-based blood sugar controls you can take. And the coffee is actually pretty good. It's just instant coffee. So you just throw it in some hot water and it doesn't taste all that bad. The other thing you can do if you're drinking bulletproof coffee is you can make your bulletproof coffee just like you normally would and just dump this packet in. 
It gives it even a more strong coffee taste, but this is really good. We have had people drop um, their their low blood sugar episodes completely in about two weeks. I've always uh, enjoyed my coffee black. Uh, I've also been told that if I have another episode to take a teaspoon of sugar, is that right? Bad idea. Bad, bad idea. That 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 just continues the roller coaster. Here's why most people suffer. And this is why I want you to measure this, because what we're looking for is a pattern. We're looking for certain foods or meals that are actually spiking your blood sugar first. Because it's always a spike that precedes the drop. So what happens is you're, you're something you ate or something you did spikes your blood sugar, your body releases a ton of insulin, and then your blood sugar drops too low. That's almost at 99%, that's the pattern, that's what's going to happen. So that's what we're looking to fix. We're looking to stop the spikes. Um, that's why these supplements um, will help. They're going to help with the spikes so that you don't get that big insulin release. Uh, if you're not drinking Bulletproof Coffee, I would recommend you give it a try. Um, the recipe that I have will, will go a long way towards solving this. Throw in the mushroom coffee with that Bulletproof Coffee, and you're going to be even better. Kim, I can't believe it, but we're all out of time again. Great show. Great show, you guys. Great stuff, everybody, and uh, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rothberg. Thanks for tuning in to The Audio Road. If you have any questions, give us a call at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash letstruck.